0: This is Boomer in the morning with Red and Ryan on Sportsnet 960 The Fan.
1: Boomer in the morning for Grey Wolf Golf Course. Happy Tuesday morning to you. Seven oh seven. Flames back in action tomorrow against the Devils. Sabers Friday. Off to Vancouver Saturday. Uh, back in practice today after an off day. Uh, time for our good pal Stephen Brunt, who joins us as always from his uh, estate in Hamilton, I'm sure. Uh, Stephen, you were happy to not be at that outdoor game on the weekend. How was your weekend?
0: It, it was It was excellent. My, my weekend was just fine. And yes, um, unfortunately, I was I was detained and I was unable to go sit outdoors. That's what watch, it was. Uh, That's right. Yeah. Watch the Leafs. Watch the Leafs melt down against. Watch out for those Sabres this week. They're <laughs> pesky. We
1: we're talking about it. There's been a bunch of teams at the bottom that... Uh, they they don't seem to understand how the draft lottery works. They're winning the
0: lot. Here. No, it's, Ottawa's it's playing well,
1: better. De- Detroit's been rolling. New Jersey's scoring a ton. Arizona's rolling. Montreal's on fire. What's going on?
0: I don't know. They all played the Leafs. Like that that entire list. By the way, of teams well, that'll help. Of yeah, the, team, the Leafs. <laughs> so it's maybe the Mrazik bump
1: it. you get. So the confidence the from the scoring b- on every shot. Yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah. I like that. I think that's exactly <laughs> right. So that makes that may explain it
1: um lots of the, the rumor mill i don't know has, has ever been this this nutty for baseball we got three weeks and a lot of big name players still to land normally it's the slow developing free agency that's really annoying and not like other sports and all of a sudden it's got the vibes of nfl nba nhl where it's chaos and let's get things done quick
0: well i welcome yeah that's what happens when you have a lockout that's lasts right up until the, the last possible day and you start spring training three days later That it does kind of you know, and you can't do business for three months. It does kind of compress things, but yeah, what you're seeing now, it, it, you know, it's you, you can sign a free agent halfway through spring training. You can sign guys may not sign until the season starts. It's it's happened. Guys have held out till June sometimes, um, but you know, by and large, teams want guys in, new guys to come in, you know, early in spring training, get acclimated, get uh, you know, and start and start working out with the coaching staff and all of that. So there is a, there's a little bit of an imperative to get things done fast. Um, but it's been interesting, you know, uh, like, like, I, I just, like, we look, we got two hours, two hours of radio out of Freddie Freeman yesterday, but you know, that really, that whole thing really starts with the fact that the Braves didn't sign him. You know, yeah. Like as soon as Matt Olson
1: goes, now it really gets real. Right.
0: Well, yeah. And I, like I'm every, like everybody else, I just thought they'll go, this is a game that's being played out by Freddie Freeman and his agent. They're trying to get the best possible deal they can out of Atlanta, but surely Atlanta's going to sign after winning a world series. They're going to sign their best player, keep him in an Atlanta uniform for essentially his entire career. And they just, you know, they, they had enormous revenues last year. Publicly traded company, right? One of the few that actually opens its books mm. in baseball. So you can actually look up how much money that company made uh, through that World Series run. It's a lot. And, and yet they, you know, they wouldn't go to, I guess they wouldn't go to a sixth year, you know, that, that, that. So they wow. instead they traded, you know, they, they actually gave up a pretty, significant price for olsen got a guy got you know, guy and a guy who you know statistically is freddie freeman you know he's pretty close mm-hmm. so they got a great player they replaced him they did only it cost them prospect capital but it it'll cost them way less money on their payroll uh and so now yeah it's freddie freeman in play where is he going to go and uh carlos our good friend carlos baerga who is not <laughs> a reporter really but and he is kind of a cryptic instagram account but he is the guy. He was the first guy to have Marcus Simeon signing with the Jays. Let's put okay. it that way. He was – when people kind of scoffed at it. And he he had Emi uh, uh, Garcia, the the uh, reliever they signed, yep. which you know somewhat less notable sign, But he was the first guy to have that. So yesterday, he uh, Carlos on his Instagram – and I'm not really an Instagram guy, as you may know. Is that right? Has this, has this slightly cryptic post in Spanish. So everybody's also got their Google Translate on the go, trying to figure out exactly what he's saying. But it seemed to suggest – that the Jays were going to sign Freddie Freeman which you know resulted in several hours of folks trying to go through the pretzel logic of how that could possibly happen and you know what how, how do you got what's the lineup going to look like who's going to play first base is Vladdy really going to play third on Vladdy's Instagram account it still says he's a third baseman or it said he was a third baseman third yep. baseman for the Toronto Blue Jays and everybody's saying did he change it Cause Um, it was
1: there years ago when they tried him there and I don't know that he changed it or
0: not. Right. I don't know. Apparently, apparently he didn't change it. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) But, but that was the read yesterday was, Oh my God, he's changed it. He's now playing third. That means Freddie Freeman is certainly coming to Canada, to Toronto. Freddie Freeman, proud Canadian sort of, although not really, you know, this is like one of those Hmm. CFL Canadians, like Alex Singleton. uh, (laughs) Yeah. Ben Cahoon, Alex Singleton, you know, that passed their parents, his parents passed through, you know, for a night. Um, but yeah, I I think as the dust has settled it over the over the last few hours, it's become, I, I somebody um, somebody who I connected with in the Jays organization, uh, discounted that report. Let's put mm. it that way. Mm. Said that yeah, said that's not no. Um, but the Kyle Schwarber is maybe coming. So that and that one makes a little bit more sense. He's got a
1: position to play. That's the difference, right? He
0: can yeah, he can sort of play left field, and you know you might. Like the, there's been a lot of guys who could sort of play left field with great bats or you could, you you allowed them just hope nobody hit the ball to them. But uh, yeah, for the, the problem, yeah, the Freddie Freeman was just hard to, you know, thinking, okay, and it's six years and how are you going to fit that, you know, into the payroll down the road? And what about a Vladdy extension or a Bo Bichette extension? How are you going to pay everybody? Um, you know, look, my guess is that, you know, Freddie Freeman not signing in at Atlanta, um, I think a lot of teams kind of said, oh, yeah, we didn't think this is going to happen. Let's. Let's talk to his agent. Let's see what's going on because he's a great ball player and, a, and apparently a really good dude to have around. And I'm would i I'm sure the Jays have had that conversation. And, you know, Freddie Freeman fell into their lap somehow. Yeah, probably wouldn't say no. But, um, but if I was a betting man, I'd say Freddie Freeman's going to be a Dodger because it makes a lot of sense.
1: Yeah, and I guess what everyone's trying to make sense of is, is how do the Jays value a left-handed bat versus positional fit? Because not only did they go get Springer last offseason, but they're connected to Michael Brantley, and like there wasn't really an open spot for him, but he was a lefty bat that really fit their lineup. That sort of feels like Freeman, right?
0: Yeah, except you know, with Brantley, they could have moved an outfielder. I guess that like there may have been a bit of a domino effect there. Sure. had yeah. they had that deal come together. Whereas in this case, I don't think they're trading their first baseman. I think they like the first baseman, yeah. (laughs) I think they like him. So, there it's, yeah, there's like, you know, somebody dug up the fact that Freddie Freeman has has played a few games at third and said, well, maybe that's it. Mm -hmm. I I just, I don't think, I don't think Freddie Freeman signs as a free agent in a place where they say, by the way, we would like you to play third base Uh, or, you know, let's play your first game ever in left field. I don't, I don't think it's happening. Uh, I'd love it to happen. It would be it would be awesome, and you, know, you kind of fa- have the fantasy of what he would look like in that batting order. My God, um, they do need they they do want a lefty bat, and I'm not sure if that's going to be a Kyle Schwarber lefty bat, you know, or it's going to be like last year where they brought in Corey Dickerson just so they had a lefty bat, you know, who's not that exciting. Um, but they're not done. Like they, they, the fun thing is, like they, they're they're clearly out there. There's stuff cooking, um, and they haven't made a trade. And I still think that's you know also a real possibility here that there's there's you know some they're gonna they're gonna go out they, you know the thing they need is they need somebody who plays either third base or second base, um and then they can backfill the other position. I still one way or another I still think that's coming down the pipe.
1: Yeah, I, I'm with you. I think you got a platoon in Espinal and Biggio, but there's still one more infield spot that needs a player, right?
0: Yeah, and I would rather if, if it was me, I would rather that platoon was playing at second. Because I agree, um, especially with their bats, right? Yeah, yeah, with their bats, and I I didn't think Biggio ever looked comfortable at third, you know, from what I saw. He just didn't look comfortable at the position. He's fine at second base. Espinal can play both positions defensively. You know, you're not going to get crazy offense out of that duo to say the least. But you you don't need crazy offense out of every position on the field. They're they're going to score runs. You know, that's I think that's they're they're going to score some runs, but. Um, yeah, ideally it's it's somebody who plays third. Ideally it's Jose Ramirez. Um but that deal has not you know, everybody talks about it. I'm I'm just not sure what the price must be enormous. Like that the 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 number must be what you would have to give up in terms of again prospects and maybe big league guys too must be must be pretty daunting, or I think that deal would have been done.
1: Okay. Um elsewhere they do add another sturdy starter, excuse me. Kikuchi comes in, looks like a four-five. Yeah. He and Ryu will be the two lefties. One, two, three, uh, probably a Barrios, Gossman, Manoa uh, out of the gate. What do you what do you make of the rotation? They've also got some other guys that will start the season as starters uh, through camp that they'll have to sort out, like Stripling and Pearson and. Uh, some of the other names we've heard for a while, like what Hatch, amongst others, but uh, it's a deep group, and you probably need a deep group with with no full spring.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, and plus all the double the double headers, right? The compressed schedule because of the late start. So there's yeah, it's going to be a meat grinder in terms of pitching. So you're going to need extra pitching. But I no, I, I I think the rotation. Geez, I'm not sure on paper when they've had a better starting rotation. Um, it's so it's really really good, and you know Kikuchi is as a. Bringing him in as the fifth guy, um, because he's a little bit of a project, right? He like last he came over from Japan two years ago. Last year, he was an all star in the first half and then fell off a cliff in the second half. He's a guy that needs extra, uh, thrives with extra rest, the same as Ryu as does. As does Ryu, so yeah, you, hmm. yeah. So you might have to kind of, you know, the the the, the kind of uh, load management with those two guys will be interesting. But you know, he's a lefty. He's throws hard, strikes guys out, high nineties fastball. Um, Pete Walker, you know, can give give like a lot of people have made the Robbie Ray comparison that you know they turn him over to Pete Walker and let Pete Walker turn him into a Cy Young guy. But no, it's it, it's it's exactly the kind of if he was if he was your two in your rotation, you might be a little concerned. But if he's your five, yeah, that's it's you know better him than um, you know, Trent Thornton. Uh, you know, or uh, or Anthony K. You know, again, guys who may pan out as something, but we've we've kind of seen that show a little bit. Um, the, but the yeah, the intriguing part becomes, you know, because this kind of locks their bullpen in too. If you look at it, like they, you, you you know, think of the guys we would you know talk about, right you know, so Romano, Garcia, um, uh, Simber, Richards, Mesa, uh, Mesa, yeah, right, and and Barucki's out of options. So let's add Baruchy. Another lefty, don't mind that. Yep and then you throw in pearson and and uh, i think i think right now you throw in pearson and stripling as guys who can be long men swing guys also probably spot starters because you're going to need sure. again if you're playing nine nine inning double headers, um you're going to need some spot starts uh and that's that's pretty much your bullpen right like that's that that's pretty much it that's We're almost. They may be able to. They're they're still. They're talking about going to 28-man rosters early this year, and if that's the case, they'll have a little bit more wiggle room, and they would carry a couple of extra guys. But you know, there's your pitching staff now. Spring training guys get hurt, they get sore, they come up with dead arms. You know, we have to assume there'll be some drama between now and opening day. But um, that's a pretty good pitching staff, I think. Uh, You know, that's and and there will and other guys will start before this season is over. That's just, you know, you, you don't, you're going to need seven or eight or nine starting pitchers in a good year. Uh, just, and again, with the compressed schedule, you might need more. So we, you know, we will be talking about some of those depth guys in Buffalo. But right now, that is your, that today, that's your Jays pitching staff. And again, it's as set going into the spring as, you know, as I can maybe almost ever remember.
1: So what are expectations then? Uh, I see the Yankees making moves and, uh, boy if they land correa which wouldn't be crazy do that,
0: no i don't think that's coming there though because no? of the deal okay. they just made no because they picked up uh, donaldson you know, what's his oh and no, uh, they up a shortstop. yeah shortstop connor right right yeah so um they and they've got a prospect a super prospect coming up at shortstop who they're they're just filling a space for hmm. so uh, correa's not going to the yankees and uh, the yankees are not you know they're edging right up on the end the, at that the kind of top um the luxury tax threshold. Mm-hmm. And again, if you look at the way they've operated the last little while, like they're not the George Steinbrenner Yankees. They're
1: not going over. So yeah. I,
0: so I don't think they're going to do anything nuts here. Um, and you know, like I'll, I would take the Jays line up over the airliner right now today. Uh, I, yeah, I, I think I would, you know, like, like you never underestimate the rays cause the rays do raise stuff, but, it's a really good uh, The Jays are right now the you know not for what it matters and we we love to talk about betting you know they're the betting favorite for the American League East right now and that's you know and there's still stuff to happen so yeah it, it, so yeah, what are the expectations the expectations are you know definitely you're in an expan- in the expanded playoff had it been a 12 team playoff last year they would have been in but I think we should be talking about 95 wins and up I think that's realistic
1: I, I think it is too and I, and I know that you know they don't have Simeon but uh, it's a team last year that that got to, what, that number um, with out a bullpen for a month, <laughs> seemingly? Well, uh, so, yeah, without George, and yeah. without
0: Springer for most of the season. That's right, right. Like, without yeah. Without a healthy George Springer, who's a great offensive and player. And before so,
1: Manoa, Momonoa took a few months to emerge, like there, and I understand there's going to be injuries and things like that, but uh, there was a lot that went wrong last year for a team that still should have made it to the postseason under other circumstances.
0: Yeah. And look, you know, some guys had in crazy seasons, right? Like Simeon had a crazy season. Um, and yeah, you're not going to necessarily just plug those numbers in with somebody else, but uh, like, I, am pretty confident they'll score runs and you know, could Vladdy and Bo have a little bit of a hiccup? Maybe, but I actually, you know, you don't expect it with guys their age. They're, you know, they're the, they're, they're, they weren't flukes, right? They're blue chip guys, but yeah, I think the first three guys in your pitching rotation were not on the team last year to start the season. You know, Barrios, Gossman, and Manoa. You know, and and yeah, Robbie Ray panned out, and that was awesome. And Stephen Matz was useful, and but you know, those I'll, I'll, like those those are pretty that's a pretty good top three, mm-hmm. right? And and you know, and it kind of you know again, you never know with pitchers, but it there's kind of a sense they're they're durable, right? Like Barrios is a durable guy. Yep, you know they Manoa, value that too, Manoa, right? Yeah, Manoa looks like he's a guy who's going to take the ball every fifth day and just go out there and you know he doesn't feel delicate. So uh, yeah, I I think that's uh, that that's this is a different team than the one that started last year that should have made the playoffs. You could argue in the end, mm-hmm. but I it, to me it's a better team. You know, just the pitching's better.
1: Uh, and uh, boy, you you get to talk about sports in Toronto radio for a living. You the, the, this Leafs team has given more content than I imagine many teams ever could dream to create.
0: It's well, it's quite we, something.
1: We, the division, the goaltending, a, the 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 heart trophy slash Maurice Richard candidate. It's it's a lot.
0: Who's suspended? By the way, I don't know if you heard, but um, oh yeah,
1: we did get that news but,
0: here. Yeah. You heard that news that that penetrate that it came all the way across the country. You know,
1: I, I I scour the corners of the internet. I'm not sure it would have got here otherwise, <laughs> but yes.
0: Yeah, it is. In this business, in our business, as you well know, a you know, a team placidly cruising along towards the playoffs isn't great fodder because there's nothing to say, right? Like the whole thing with the Leafs for most of this year was, well, we'll see in the first round. Yes, they this they're they look good, and Jack Campbell looks like a legitimate number one goaltender. That was a long time ago but let's we'll see you in talk to me in april which is not you know that's not a great topic but now yeah we have full blown crisis uh we have not just kind of mediocre goaltending but like god awful goaltending um losing to bad teams uh a guy having arguably the greatest year in the history of the franchise i think maybe not even arguably like i this this is the greatest individual toronto maple leaf season in history that, that Austin Matthews has had. Yeah, 45 already,
1: six up on dry for second. Are you kidding me?
0: Well, and the thing is, you know, like the weird thing about the Leafs is, even though they've been around, you know, literally forever, almost never in their history have had they had the, and maybe arguably never in their history, have they had the best player in hockey on that team. You, you can look it up. Like it's, T- that's you know, crazy. T- I've Teter heard Kent- it. It's true. Yeah. Yeah. Teeter Kennedy won a, a the Hart Trophy in the 50s, uh, who was the captain of the Leafs. And if you look it up, there's no way he should have won. <laughs> it's just, it was like, it's a bunch of Toronto reporters must have done it or something. Yeah, and then, it's, you know, Dougie Gilmore
1: he, had a nice run in the early 90s, but he wasn't Lemieux. Yeah. Like, they've never had the best no. player, which is nuts, because didn't they have, like, Ontario territorial rights for a while? Like, that's crazy. They,
0: oh, they did. Yeah. They were so the, what cause are you they, doing? Because they, they, th- they, th- they thumped their nose at Bobby Orr, right? And they said, yeah, we'll get, you, we'll get back to you. When his... Uh, Jeez. <laughs> they, yeah, they had him, but they didn't. Yeah, no, they had yeah they had all kinds of advantages, but you, you go through the entire history, and they, look, they won a ton of Stanley Cops back, you know, a million years ago, but... It was never, they never had the guy because the guy was Bobby Hull or the guy was Gordy Howard, the guy was Rocket Richard or the guy was Gretzky or the guy was Lemieux. No, they never had the guy right now. They might have the guy like I, it's close, you know, it's close, but I'll tell you that and playing a, you know, playing every bit of the ice, uh, like, like it's not, he's not just scoring like he's, he's something to watch right now. Uh, and, and what are they going to do with that season? Um, it appears they're going to piss it away because <laughs> they've got forty million dollars uh, locked into four forwards and they don't have a goalie.
1: Yeah, and no. You know see, here's the thing though, Stephen. Like they don't stop giving you storylines. There's another twist coming. Uh, they're going to trade uh, well, th- something crazy for a goalie, or Jack Campbell's going to reemerge as a good goalie like he was in the fall, or you know they're going to upset uh, someone in the first round. final. there's another twist. They, they can't go uh, as predicted.
0: Well, Jack Campbell, of course, has a mystery rib injury that no one knew about that is going to – which is going to be reevaluated in two weeks. So, yes, that he could come back and suddenly be good again. But yeah, I'm not so sure. Um, the interesting – and, of course, trade deadline, which, you know, generally not my favorite day of the year. But with these guys – we had Frank Saravalli on last week. We got him oh, next, was... by the way. He's coming up in eight minutes. Yeah.
1: So, so stay locked. He's a folks. total
0: blast. He's good. Yeah, he's a total blast. But Frank said – and he's right. He came out and said – What if the right thing for the Leafs to do is nothing? What if the right thing to do is to be realistic and say, look, you know, we're not, there's no savior out there. Goaltending wise. We can't trade for Patrick, right? He's not, that guy's not available. So none of these goaltending solutions and and anybody we try and trade with is going to clean our clock because they know we're desperate. So what if we're just honest? If you're Kyle Dubas who runs the team, you're honest and say, we're not good enough, this isn't going to make a difference and trading away the future, more of the future of the team is irresponsible. And he might be right but imagine oh that, no, the market would not that, handle that well no no nor neither would nor would the the dressing room i'm guessing but he might be right of course Kyle Dubas if he doesn't do anything might well be fired at the end of the season he might well be fired at the end of the season anyway even if he does something so, cuz this is his plan right he's the architect and, and they, it's not a
1: bad game. plan. It just hasn't had success. Like, they've had how many 100-point regular seasons? Teams would die for that. But then it's like, oh, first round, see ya. Like, it's – boy, it's well, it's it's fickle. Like, it's it's – they've had really good, uh, you know, six-month spells and bad two-week spells at the end of them.
0: But the thing is, if you watch these guys night after night, you know, like, they had to sign John Tavares, right, because – you know, it was a kind of a statement signing, and he wanted to come. He was the number one guy in the market that year, and he wanted to come home to Toronto. They had to sign him. But if you watch him every night, like you know, he's a step and a half slow. He's not an 11 million player, just, he, yeah No, he's not. And if you watch William Nylander every night on his good nights, he's amazing. On the on, but there are many. Just he just seems a little indifferent to hockey, <laughs> you know, which is not a good thing, right? Just doesn't seem that all that into it. Um, so there's two of your $40 million guy, you know, your, your $40 million forward. The other two guys fine and dandy, right? Like you're not going to argue Matthews is awesome. And you know, Marner, um, you know, you have to see him in the playoffs, but yeah, great draft pick, great player. The other two guys, eh, I'm not so sure, you know, and you know, they're not going anywhere. So that, yeah, some stuff's gone wrong, but you know, you could argue that maybe they should have taken some of that though and invested it in, in a more balanced a more balanced roster. But that is hindsight, right? That is Monday morning quarterbacking.
1: Hey, it's uh it's good for you. That's what we do. This That's is what this we is do. This is perfect. Like I'm <laughs> yes, telling that you. That is our job description. <laughs> it is it is an incredible, and I don't think they're done giving you drama. I really don't. I think there's plot twists oh, to come. No. It's gonna be good. Thank you, God. Don't you dare yep. go trying to write the finish of this story, Stephen.
0: Yeah, the problem is I you know, I think after about the second week in May they're not gonna be playing anymore and that so See that's I, I, you writing the finish real- of
1: the story. Come on, they gotta upset someone first and then fall on their face. I mean, there's gotta be something we don't see coming. You can't just lose in the first uh, round.
0: Well, they always lose in the first round. I know. But I, I, know. I <laughs> So yeah, no, I think they're gonna lose in the first round. But and then people start getting fired and no look, you know, yeah, there'll be stuff to talk about, but at least at least the baseball team will be playing.
1: Uh, thank you for your time today. I appreciate it. And uh maybe we'll get to you before 7-10 one of these weeks. I pr- I'm,
0: that, I'm, uh, you know I'm not going anywhere. I got right, nowhere yeah. to
1: go. Thank you, sir. See you. Uh there's Brunt. We'll come back. Tight turn. Frank Saravalli. Uh trade deadline. Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Sunday. Six days, six six days, six days away. Do not go anywhere. This is your last chat with Frank on mornings before the deadline. Sports at 960 the van.
2: You're locked on Boomer in the morning. Sportsnet 960, the Fan.
1: Busy show continues on a Tuesday. Luke LV, our Aussie pal in Canmore, the PGA commentator, will walk in at 8:15 uh, to tell us about Cam Smith's 3.6 million dollar mulleted Monday. Adnan Verk as well in an hour. Right now to. Frank Saravalli, our NHL insider, brought to you by South Trail Exports. With inventory shortages across the city, it's the perfect time to sell your vehicle. Visit southtrailexports.com. Good morning, Frank. How we doing? Six days, man.
3: Yeah, six days to go. Let's do it.
1: Uh, okay. Uh, a trade yesterday. We'll start there. Josh Manson goes from Anaheim to Colorado. They get a, a physical top four D-man. Anaheim eats some money. It's a second rounder and what sounds like a pretty good prospect uh, that was a second rounder a few years ago going to the Ducks.
3: Yeah, essentially two second-round picks for Anaheim, for Josh Manson, and part of that, of course, is due to the fact that they retain money, which is key for Colorado here moving forward because they're trying to still land another forward. Is it someone as high-profile as Claude Giroux? Is it someone a little bit lower down on the pecking order? Either way, um, Drew Hellison, a prospect for the Ducks that, you know, is trending towards being a number four, or a number five guy in this league, could be ready to play as soon as uh, at some point next season. So pretty tidy work by the Ducks. And for the Avs, this is a team that maybe that was the one element that was really missing from their group last year. You heard Nathan McKinnon after the playoffs were over say, we were on our heels a lot. Part of that's stylistic when they played the Golden Knights. Part of it is, they were probably pushed around a little bit. Something that stuck in the back of Joe Sakic's mind, that size on their back end uh, and a little bit of grit or an edge to their team was maybe missing throughout the season. It hasn't hurt them to this point, but we all know when you get to the playoffs, it's a little bit of a different game.
1: Okay. And so Pat Verbeek, the new GM in, in Anaheim, has said, I want to extend, know what new deals look like, or I'm going to trade pending UFAs. I'm not in the business of losing guys for nothing. So Manson is done but there's still some work on that front. What's up with Hampus Lindholm, the 28-year-old defenseman? Uh, also, you've got Ricard Raquel, who is 28 uh-huh. years old, last year of his deal at forward, those I think would be the biggest front-burner items. What do you see happening?
3: Yeah, I see those guys being on the move. At this point, I, I don't think there's there's been communication, and they've remained in touch. I think the the Ducks are trying to you know, massage this with Lindholm in a way that they can try and find a, a way to keep him an avenue. They're looking, searching, hoping. I think that's their preference, but I don't get the sense that they're particularly close. They're not willing to go long-term. Lindholm is looking for a seven or eight-year deal. I think the Ducks have been in the four-year range. They might be willing to go to five. They're willing to pay a little extra on the AAV, But it doesn't really matter when you get to that point, because if you're only willing to pay four years or five years, you're missing out on years six, seven and eight. And the total dollar difference is oftentimes too difficult to overcome. Now, will Lindholm be able to get seven years on the open market? That is the gamble for his camp. So, you know, do you want to try and find a new place to play? Are you willing to test the market? Uh, are you thinking that you might be able to earn another deal if you play out four years in Anaheim? There's a lot of things to consider. Um, My guess is Pat Verbeek needs an answer in the next 24 to 48 hours. And I still, there's a reason why Lindholm's number two on our trade targets board on dailyfaceoff.com. It seems like the Ducks have been testing the market and, and gauging what they can get for him in the meantime, as they should be. While these negotiations continue and with regards to Raquel, um, you know, it's a similar type situation as Manson. I don't think there's been a ton of dialogue and it wouldn't surprise me at some point in the next six days to see Raquel on the move to have Anaheim be in a position where they have to take a couple steps backwards to get moving forward in the direction they want to go.
1: Frank Saravalli, our NHL insider, joining us Tuesday mornings here on Boomer in the Morning. Rhett.
2: Are is Toronto going to find a goalie to fill this? Because it looks real ugly there right now.
3: It is ugly. Um, you know, it's a good question because they've obviously done their homework on the market. They've made calls to Marc-Andre Fleury. They've examined, you know, even some goaltenders that I, you know, I don't even know if people believe are on the market or not. Um, you know, and they've had a, a number of different names on their list or, you know, in terms of who they might be considering, I think the acquisition cost is expensive. I think perhaps they're hoping that if they're the last team standing in the Flurry sweepstakes, you know, let's say, I don't get the sense Edmonton, for instance, another one of the teams that could be in the mix is is really going to push to make a move for a goaltender. Uh, what, is Mark andre Flurry willing to go back to the Vegas Golden Knights if they call again? um and then that leaves the Washington Capitals. What happens if the Toronto Maple Leafs are the last team standing and instead of a first round pick that the Chicago Blackhawks are looking for, all that's you know any teams willing to offer is a second. Well, maybe that changes the equation for Toronto. I think at the moment the the acquisition price is pretty high. I think they're they're wondering should we just go the defense route and maybe improve play in front of our goaltenders and hope that either Jack Campbell when he's healthy or somehow, some way, Peter Morazic finds his game, but 10 out of their last 12 games allowing four more goals, it's, it, there's no chance that it's sustainable in the playoffs. But the problem that I think the Leafs are running into is they've got a number of different holes to fill. And when you're staring down that many different obstacles, and oh, by the way, your first-round matchup is the two-time defending Stanley Cup champ, Tampa Bay Lightning, I think at a certain point, Rhett, you have to ask the question, should we do nothing? You know, is this is this circumstance too difficult to overcome and we'll just roll with what we have?
1: Boy, it's it's been bad, but it's also goaltending. It's the hardest thing to try to project, right? Jack Campbell was in Vesna conversations in November. That's that sounds insane right now. <laughs>
3: Well, that's that's kind of their point with going out and acquiring one of these guys other than Flurry, is who are you getting that you can really guarantee success? You know, Junis Corpusalo from the Columbus Blue Jackets, his numbers are the same exact or more or less what Peter Mraz giving you at the moment. You know, some of the other guys on the market, you go, well, am I really getting an upgrade here or am I just spending assets to make it seem like I'm doing something? Well, we might as well just hope that, Campbell, at least, even if he's not of the Vezina quality that he was previously, you know, just get to a, a 905, 908 league average type world where we can live with that.
1: Okay, a couple other teams we're, we're watching. Sir, go ahead, Rhett. I hear you there.
2: Well, I was just curious. I mean, you got Edmonton and Toronto looking very similar in the fact that I mean, at least Toronto's made the playoffs, but it's always been first rounded out. Edmonton hasn't even been able to make them. You got superstars there, high end offensive talent, and goaltending for both teams going to let them down to the point where Edmonton might not even get in the playoffs. I think Toronto's going to be in for sure, but I just feel, isn't it, at some point one of those teams is going to have
3: to take a stab at a goaltender? Well, I I think the Oilers have been in this so long going back to December that oddly enough, what we've seen happen in Edmonton over the last few weeks is that Koskinen has actually rebounded to the point where he's doing and has done basically what I just said, the Leafs might be hoping happens with Jack Campbell. I mean, it's, it's wild to think about, but Miko Koskinen, his last thirteen games, nine twenty-two save percentage with a nine-one-and-two record. He's been fine, and so the problem with Miko Koskinen isn't can he play goalie. The problem with Miko Koskinen has always been he can do it for a two-week stretch, and when you ride him too much, the wheels fall off. And not only that, but he's just been overpaid for what he's provided as a sort of one B backup option in the NHL. That's not necessarily this current regime's fault. That's a Peter Shirelli issue. But nonetheless, your point is well made in that they went into this season with a 39 year old Mike Smith and signed to a two year deal, by the way, and Miko Koskinen. Like this was a big bone of contention going into the season. It was you know, Smith had a magical year last year. Are, were you willing to bet that he's able to do it again? Maybe no one saw the health issues that he's had this season pop up or could have foreseen that. But I think at some point, everyone's wondering like when is Mike Smith, when is father time going to catch up to him? So it's been um, almost a predictable year on that front for the Oilers. and, And that is, Fully on their management group because they had different opportunities to make change or make trades for goalies. Tristan Jari last year popped up in conversation with the Edmonton Oilers. Going back a couple years, Jacob Markstrom. Like, how different would the situation look had the Oilers gotten Markstrom and he doesn't end up in Calgary? Like, it's there's a lot of permutations to it, and I think the fact that every single time the Oilers ended up not getting the goalie is more just an indictment on their group.
1: Okay. Let's uh, switch gears. Guys that will move. Who tops your list of guys you'd put your mortgage down will move. I've got to think uh, Giroux would be that guy or maybe Ben Sherrod. Is there anyone else there? Is that, those the two biggest names that will go?
3: Yeah, I I think it's Giroux one, uh, Lindholm two, Mm. um, uh, yeah, I mean, it's 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 not a 100 percent certainty, but unless there's some magical deal that transpires in the next couple days where the the Ducks blink and and offer him a six year deal, which I just I don't see happening. This is a first contract that Pat Verbeek is handing out in the NHL as a GM. He wants to send a message to his team. This is how we're going to be doing things from now on. They're not giving out term. He's just not a believer in it. So unless there's a change in philosophy, which, again, I, I don't see, um, Lindholm's moving. The only thing about Giroux that kind of caught my attention as the Flyers celebrated his 1,000th game in a Flyers uniform uh, on Thursday night, St. Patrick's Day against the Nashville Predators, is at his press conference the other night, he mentioned something about you know, we need to have a discussion about long-term and, and what the next, next season looks like. And it, it just made me wonder in the back of my head, is there any part of him that's saying, you know what, I'm not interested in, in changing teams. I'm not interested in being traded. I'm willing to come back to the Flyers next season for, I don't know, half of what I'm making, less than half of what I'm making, a team-friendly deal because this is the place I want to play. Is that possible? Would the Flyers be interested in that? And more to the point, if Klojiru decides that he doesn't want to get traded, it doesn't matter what the Flyers do. He has a full no move and can veto anything. So um, he really holds all the cards. And the other difficult spot for the Flyers is if Klojiru comes to them and says, I want to be traded to – I'm just pulling a team out of thin air, the Florida Panthers. And I only want to be traded to the Florida Panthers – well, what kind of leverage do the Flyers have to get a strong deal? You have to hope that he comes to you with three to five teams that you can potentially hope to, to get a decent package from in order to trade a guy that's meant so much to your group. But not just that. It's not sentimental. It's, this is a significant piece to recoup assets from to help your team head in the right direction moving forward.
1: Yeah, and and you know he can always resign there the summer. Would that not be the win-win for Flyers fans? He, he he comes back next year at a more team-friendly rate, and you get assets in the short term. Uh, that's one thing. And and the funny thing you say if he only wants to go to one spot, they're kind of hooped. That was Jerome again leaving Calgary. He said Boston, Pittsburgh, and then when it got down to the wire, he said, you know what, I'm not going to Boston, and they took a lesser deal with Pittsburgh
3: but does it ever work out? Like we always think about that. Like, Oh, I can just re-sign in the summer. I feel like once the genie's out of the bottle, you, you pull on the different sweater for the first time. I don't know. It, it, I can't think of many examples off the top of my head where the guy ultimately ends up just coming back and re-signing. There was like, that was the big talk from Nick Foligno and the blue jackets last year. It was like, Hey, we, you know, we're trading our captain and, you know, he's going to Toronto. We got a great deal, a first and a fourth. And, you know, maybe he just comes back and re-signs with us in the summer. And it's like, I don't even know that they ever even engaged in conversation.
1: That's fair. It doesn't happen a lot. Uh, John Klimberg and the Stars, they look like they are probably a playoff team. There's two wild cards up for grabs. The Pacific has not been great. Uh, if if they're, like, how do they view this? Is the deal getting done? Because it seemed like he wanted... Haskinen money but he, the thing is with him is he, he's not and he's 29 too
3: <laughs> yeah he's definitely not getting Haskinen money there's a clear line in the sand drawn where it's this is how our team cap structure is going to work Miro Haskinen is our premier defenseman and you are going to fall somewhat further down the list uh in order of of salary cap hits and That's been clear. They were looking for somewhere between 60 and $64 million for Klingberg. He may get that somewhere. It's not going to be in Dallas, and they've they've made that clear to him. Uh, He's wanted out because of that. He's an emotional guy, a loyal guy, and I think he was hurt by that. But it's the reality of their situation. And the other reality is, as much as they'd like to fulfill that request, they're in playoff mode ends out with Mono. Um, you know, all three guys, in fact, are coming off my trade targets board today Joe Pavelski, Braden Holpe, and John Klingberg. Like, of course, Pavelski re signing last week, but you look at their group, how well they've played really over the last six, seven weeks, how they've solidified their playoff spot. You look at their injuries, Hudobin having uh, surgery. There's not really any position to trade Braden Holpe. Um, the stars are they're in full playoff mode. They're not in move any of these guys. So those names are coming off and new names are going on the board. I don't want to hold out on you guys too much longer, but I do have a Calgary connection getting added to the list today. And that would be Sean Monahan.
1: Okay. Continue to talk.
3: (laughs) So, Look, I don't think it's the Calgary Flames' preference to move Sean Monaghan, but I think the Flames are lurking in the weeds in terms of potentially having another significant move in them. And yes, trading Sean Monaghan after a second consecutive down season would represent trading him at probably the lowest value he's been at um, in his career. But part of this also comes down to money, I think, Part of this, when you look at also the Flames and their roster and, and how things have shaped up, there's a there's another clear pecking order that exists there. And, and Sean Monaghan, you might argue, could be an ideal third line type center for a playoff run on a properly constructed team. And that may ultimately end up being the case. But if you have to move money out, there's only a limited number of players that Really could fit that bill, and I think there are teams that would be interested in trying to get their hands on Sean, Sean Monahan to have to see if they can reboot him next season and get him back to the sort of 30 30 guy that he was for a long time in Calgary and, and did so really consistently.
1: It's an interesting point. I, like, if you're going to re sign Kachuk and Gaudreau, you need his money, you might also need Milan Lucic's money, you, you might not be able to afford a luxury like Lucic or like Zadorov. Um, I see that. Um, but How many
3: teams can afford to have a six point four million dollar third line center? Well, and he's I mean, been the, he's
1: been their fourth line center for two weeks, so like it's even worse than the way you're framing it. So you're right. right. Uh, and then on top of that, if you are going to make another move, that's the money that's got to go out because I, I think, uh, yeah, like you said, if there's another big splash, they're up against it. They got room for a million dollar player right now. That's it. If you're adding a star or a big name, you need big money going out. And Monahan's that fit contractually.
3: Mm hmm. Uh, it's look again, I, I wouldn't put a high probability on it, but he's certainly a player that I think would be in play if the Flames want to swing big and there's no guarantee that they will. I think they'd like to try and do something else. I think ideally they'd like to try and do something on the back end. Um, I, I you know, who knows? All I know is that he's he's a potential fit to to be on the way out.
1: Okay. Another flames tie in the former captain, Mark Giordano. He's in Seattle. Uh, they're having a miserable campaign. What's next for Mark Giordano. He's, he's gotta be moving, right?
3: Yeah, he's moving. They told him he's moving. Uh, they're waiting to find the best offer. The Seattle Kraken have been convinced all season long that they can get a first round pick for Mark Giordano. I think the market is ultimately going to prove otherwise. I think he's in the second round pick territory. Um, you know, I think when teams watch him, he's smart, he's efficient, but he's lost a step, and I think that's clear. Um, they could, you know, potentially squeeze out a, a prospect or, or another late-round pick if they're willing to retain salary, but that's the type of world that I see Giordano in, and I think it comes down to which teams are, are going to be interested. We talked about Toronto. Um, they could be a destination for Mark Giordano, um we could see the Florida Panthers. Like the Panthers number one target is Hampus Lindholm, but if they don't get Lindholm, do they then go to do they then go to Giordano? Who's their next who's the next pivot point down? I don't think he's the primary target for a lot of teams, but I think a lot of teams are interested in him as a check down option.
1: And if the Jets end up being sellers, or, or I guess maybe handicap that first, and then what pieces are around? Uh, I, th- I think I saw Andrew Cobb get nicked up on the weekend. That's interesting.
3: Yeah, the Jets, I mean, look, they've, they're sort of kind of maybe flirting with the playoffs again. I mean, I, I don't see it just because I, there hasn't been any sort of sustained, consistent run this year where you can point to and say, aha, they've figured it out, or – they're going to find a way to get it together and make this last push to get in. I think Kevin Cheveldayoff has given that group every opportunity to do so, but cop is injured. I think Paul Stastny is another guy that's probably actually had a little bit of an underrated season as a 36 year old. He's just continued to produce. Uh, he's a guy I would imagine that uh, there would be some interest in Brendan Dillon on the back end to me, when I watch Brendan Dillon, he's basically Ben Sherratt with term. And so if you're one of those teams that's interested in Ben Sherat and you see the asking price, which has been, you know, borderline bananas, you know, you look at Montreal, they're asking for a first and a third round pick, which is what the Lightning got or gave up last year for David Savard. You know, first and a third, they're asking for a second for Brett Kulak, who you guys know well. You know, at some point, some of these prices are either going to come down or you're just going to see teams say, you know what, why, why am I going to go down this path and pay all this money for Ben Sherrod as a UFA when I can just go get Brendan Dillon and get term and pay, you know, either the same or less. So, those are the types of considerations that will be made over the next six days.
1: Last one for you. Jake DeBrusk's name has been out there for a while, maybe a couple seasons really when we think about it. Uh, he's been uh-huh. playing well of late. That second line's come to life. Craig Smith's playing well. What does the future hold in Boston where they are going to the playoffs, but he continues to, to want a new home?
3: Yeah, I just it, it's sort of like Klingberg. Like it's great that you want to go somewhere, but we haven't been able to find a fit and we're not in a position as a playoff team to, you know, to make your request a reality. They're they're in a spot where he's sort of come alive. Uh there's no question that there is a damaged relationship with um uh, Jake DeBrusk and their coach there and Bruce Cassidy. Um But at the same time, what the Bruins did for a while was go around and offer up Jake DeBrusque for players that have more or less been maligned in other circumstances. Um, I think one example, this is going back, you know, a number of months since DeBrusque had made his request public in December, you know, call the Pittsburgh Penguins. Hey, can we swap Jake DeBrusque for Kasperi Kapanen? I guess looking back on it and watching Kapanen as a healthy scratch for the Penguins, maybe that's one that Pittsburgh regrets. Um, But those are the types of scenarios where it was like, let's get a guy that may be a square peg in a round hole somewhere else, or maybe is a little overpaid or doesn't quite fit and see if we can find that similar type of meeting uh, between two teams. And they just, it wasn't, they couldn't find it. It wasn't able to materialize and, I'd be surprised if at this point they are willing to pluck him off unless someone, you know, knocks, blows their doors down just to get in, knocks their door off, whatever that.
1: Knock your socks off. We'll go with that too. That's Knock fine. Knock your yeah.
3: socks off. Yeah. What an <laughs> embarrassing bumble that was. But um, I just don't see it happening over the next six days.
1: Frank, great stuff. It'll be a busy six days. We'll be locked in on your socials and uh, can't wait to chat next week when all the dust is settled.
3: Yeah, that'll be after a gallon of wine uh, Monday night, and I'll talk to you guys on
1: Tuesday morning. (laughs) Lots of water, please. Okay, see you, bud. Take care. Uh, Frank Valley. every Tuesday morning, brought to you by South Trail Exports. With inventory shortages across the city, it's the perfect time to sell your vehicle for cash. Visit southtrailexports.com.
2: There's a lot there, Rhett. Is there lots or is there going to be Nothing. Well, because there's a lot of, again, a lot of rumors like and
1: circumstance. Yeah.
2: Yeah, right. Well, you hear Giroux, He's going to, well, maybe he's not going to go. Giordano. He's going to get traded, but it's They're not going to get a first. Montreal's asking for the moon. Forgot. Like, I feel like we're excited about it, and I hope it's good, but I've, maybe there's less going to happen than we expect.
1: I I think what we'll see is what we usually see, which is a lot a lot of big names get talked about and a few of the big names get moved and a lot of lesser names we weren't hearing about get moved. Yeah. Cuz there's there's usually tons of transactions, There's just not as many stars as uh right like you if, hear. If, the,
2: if if Edmonton or Toronto don't get a goalie, who's getting a goalie?
1: Nobody. Maybe no, Washington. That's the only other team I can think of. Yeah, um, I
2: guess Washington, perhaps. But yeah. they
1: got young guys too. It's not like Vanatek and Sorokin, not Sorokin, uh, Samsonov can't figure it out. Like it's, they, those guys play well. I mean, it's only a week, but still, they. you know, they started the season with those two guys. They like them somewhat. Uh, 802. We'll turn around come back with uh, more reaction. Uh, Monahan, huh? Off season, Or the next six days? Uh, or neither? How long is he aflame? We'll come back with that. Sportsnet 960, The Fan.